Welcome to the Rich Room Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Sobel. Where you can master the art of enriching your life. What kind of kindergarten shit is this? And finding a path to financial freedom. Who the fuck was supposed to teach me how to do my taxes? So sit back, relax, and step into the Rich Room. You know I can't help these cause they know they can never touch these. Welcome to the Rich Room Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Lindsay Sobel. I have to admit, I am late again, y'all. I apologize for the tardiness of this episode, but I've had a lot going on. I've had some home repairs that prevented me from podcasting. See, I record my podcast at home, and if someone else is here using a drill and shit, then my Best Buy mic is going to pick it all up, and that won't be good for the sound quality. My Best Buy mic also picks up the construction at my next-door neighbor's house. See, my next-door neighbor, Diego, had a bit of an unfortunate incident that took place a week ago when his house caught on fire. It was actually kind of scary. I was in my house walking from the kitchen through the living room and I saw a fire truck parked behind my car. Then I saw firemen jumping out of the car, throwing their gear onto the sidewalk so that they could jump into their suits. And I thought to myself, hmm, what is going on here? The firemen were racing into the direction of Diego's house. Don't worry, Diego and his family are fine. So is their dog. No one was injured to my knowledge. So I look at Diego's house and I see smoke coming from it. Thankfully, no one was home. And I think the front door was very secure and it was difficult for the firemen to get inside. They had axes, they had chainsaws, and they even got on the roof with a fucking chainsaw. I was watching all of this go down from my house and then I kind of realized, holy shit, Diego probably doesn't know his house is on fire. So I called him and I told him. The fire was not a total loss and repairs began the very next day, but all of the repairs and restoration are taking place on the front lawn, which is right next to my office where I record my podcast. And there are gentlemen working during the day, cutting up and listening to music. God bless them, but they are kind of cramping my style. So I've had to get a little creative about my podcast time. It is Friday evening. I have just poured myself my first glass of Tattinger. Hold on, let me guess up. And you know what? I don't mind spending my Friday night evening podcasting. I actually quite enjoy it. It sure beats crying in the shower. My home repairs and Diego's home repairs weren't the only thing standing in my way of podcasting. I also had a brush with COVID. So last week, I thought I had a bit of a cold, and it turns out that I had fucking COVID. I got it in New Orleans, which is pretty poetic. I think New Orleans is trying to keep me out. My most recent trip to New Orleans provided me with some clarity. When I was on the plane from New York to New Orleans, I was very excited about my trip and very excited to walk in my first parade. And I thought to myself, you know what, New Orleans? I can't quit you. But I think New Orleans is like, bitch, you need to leave. Because after I got kicked out of the parade for no legitimate reason, 
Oh, and I did find out that the parade had no rules against smoking weed, neither did the crew that I was marching with, so I'm kind of vindicated, but still kind of not. Anyways, after I got kicked out of the parade, I was feeling quite low, and I was like, okay, what is this teaching me? This is happening for me, not to me. And the thought came to my mind, you know, maybe it's time I quit New Orleans for the time being because New Orleans seems like it's trying to quit the fuck out of me. I also realized in that moment when I was walking alongside the parade that even if I can't quit New Orleans, New Orleans may want to quit me. From the job, to the divorce, to the shooting, to being chased by a homeless man, to getting kicked out of a parade for no legitimate reason, I don't think New Orleans wants me right now. I also realized that I've been running back and forth to New Orleans for all fun activities and I haven't put really any of that energy into my new life here in Miami. New Orleans is like a way of life and for the first time since I've moved, I'm really starting to feel the loss. Mainly because I promised myself that I would stop making plans to go back to New Orleans for fun events and invest my energy into my new life. But New Orleans makes it fucking hard. This is festival season and New Orleans is the city of festivals. There's the fried chicken fest, mac and cheese fest, beignet fest. Also, the lineup for Jazz Fest this year is really, really good. There's Bayou Boogaloo. Oh, and we can't fucking forget Mardi Gras. And now that I have some distance from New Orleans, I've gone back to having a fondness and an appreciation for it. It's not like I have FOMO, but I'm like starting to feel the loss. I have never, ever been a person who has FOMO. For those of you who don't know, FOMO stands for fear of missing out. I've never had that. I have JOMO, the joy of missing out. It's not like I have FOMO for New Orleans, but I am starting to feel the loss. Like, I've experienced a lot of loss. I think it was all necessary loss, but loss nonetheless. And the emptiness from that loss is pretty loud right now. Mainly because I haven't filled my life up with new things here in Miami. Like, I lost a lot in a short amount of time. And I'm coming to realize that I'm not going to be able to fill the void with new things here at the same speed that I lost all the other stuff. Everything here has to be built, and building stuff doesn't happen quickly. Honestly, I thought I was going to be able to make a life here much quicker. Really, I thought I was going to be able to make friends here a lot fucking quicker. I'm a great fucking friend. I'm funny, I'm kind, I'm empathetic, I'm punctual. But I realize that it's not very easy to make friends as an adult. And it's really hard when you're not going somewhere for work every day or to school. All of my projects that I'm working on do not require me to venture out that much. At school or at work, we would see people every day. It's just much easier to make friends when you see people frequently on like a daily basis. I don't know, y'all. It's a lot. It's a lot to process. Couple of the major life changes with the fact that I've been in therapy every week ripping open old wounds and digging around to see what's in there. Suffice it to say that your girl is processing a lot. And it's a lot to process, and it's pretty heavy to do solo. Which is probably why my Christmas tree is still up. 
It brings me so much joy, and I can use all the joy I can get. Because a few days ago, I had a really bad fucking day. I was coming off the heels of COVID. I tested negative, but still felt pretty weak and tired. I was supposed to have Pilates at 9 a.m., which is a deviation from my regularly scheduled Pilates class at 1 p.m. on Tuesdays. Well, I totally fucking forgot. And I completely thought that, oh, today is Tuesday. I have therapy at 11, and then I have Pilates at 1 p.m. The weather was nice, and I was like, oh, I'm going to go for a walk after Pilates and try and jumpstart my healing from COVID. Well, my stomach dropped into my butt when I got a text from my Pilates instructor at 9.10 a.m. asking me where I was. I absolutely hate leaving someone hanging like that. I consider myself to be a very reliable, dependable person who always does what they say they're going to do. So that kind of rocked me and sent me off into a meltdown. And I dove right down the rabbit hole into sadness. That is when I started realizing how drastically I changed my life and how fast I did it. When I had this realization, I started panicking like, oh my God, you just changed your entire life. I don't have any of the comforts from home that I used to. Everything here feels uncomfortable and unfamiliar. I am growing, but it's fucking painful. Let's just say I doubled up on therapy this week. Here are the positives though. First, sometimes, sad Lindsay means really funny Lindsay. There ain't nothing like a self-deprecating joke to really cut the tension. That's the thing about me. I can be having a complete mental breakdown and still crack a joke. Second, there's an abundance of opportunity in front of me. I'm not aimless out here. I have goals. I have somewhat of a plan. This is going to be a big year for me. I have faith that my life will fill back up again. But I think I realized recently that this is not going to happen quickly. I think I still need to do a bit of grieving, but I know it will be okay. Man, let me tell you, the New Orleans Jazz Fest lineup is not helping me because it's really good and I really want to go, but I'm not going to do it. There's always next year and, I mean, no one is really playing like that I have to see. This is not Jazz Fest related, but I purchased tickets to see George Clinton in the Parliaments. I don't know if I'm going to go, but just in case, I mean, like, when are you going to see the fucking parliaments again? They are fucking iconic. Also, I take that back about not wanting to see people at Jazz Fest. I really want to see Anderson Pack and John Batiste. Not sure if Anderson Pack is playing anywhere else this year, but John Batiste is playing at the Montreux Jazz Festival, which is in Miami on March 1st. I looked it up and it's a jazz festival that's been in Switzerland since 1962 and now it's coming to Miami. I have purchased tickets, Madison is going with me, and I am very excited. It will be like my first real event to attend here in Miami. Oh, I can't wait to put together an outfit. I even did a little early research on potential outfits for the Montreux Jazz Fest. I went to my go-to clothing shopping website, Revolve.com, tried to sign up, because I knew I wanted to make a wish list and realized that I already had an account. So I logged in. I see that I have 10 items that are already saved. I'm like, oh, well, let's just see what we have here. Maybe I'm a mind reader and already have a good dress picked out. Uh, hell no, nah, bitch. 
You have 10 white dresses saved from when you got engaged and got married. But now you're almost divorced. So don't let it get you down, ho. And it didn't. I mean, it was like a punch in the gut, but I deleted all the white dresses and I quickly started adding fresh outfits to my saved list. So I have a bit of a rant that I need to get off my chest and it's political in nature. And it has to deal with Mississippi lawmakers. I will hold my rant until the end of the episode so that I can give anyone who doesn't want to hear the rant the opportunity to end the episode. I'll let y'all know when it's time. All right, let's talk about episode one of Vanderpump Rules that just aired this week. Um, it was a little stale. So it wasn't like bad, bad, but I'm just sick of these storylines. I don't care about Scandaval anymore. I don't want to keep talking about it. I'm also trying not to be too judgy of Ariana living in the same house as her ex, but like, why the fuck are you still living in the house with your ex? And they apparently communicate through Tom's assistant so that they never have to be in contact with each other. But holy shit, that sounds exhausting. Even if you're not communicating with each other, I'm sure you can still feel his toxic, narcissistic, worm-with-a-mustache presence. Honey, get out. Get the fuck out of that house. There would be no way I could do that. I'm such a sensitive person, I can literally feel people around me. And there would be no way that I could share a space with someone who fucked my best friend for seven months behind my back. Sorry, couldn't fucking do it. Also, if there's an emergency in the house, don't you think you'll have to see the other person? And what if they want to have a party or something? No, uh uh-uh. You got to get all the way the fuck up out of my orbit. I'm trying to keep in mind, though, that this season was filmed last year and only three months after Ariana found out that Tom had an affair with one of her best friends. And so everything is pretty fresh for them, but the storyline is stale to me. And none of the other people on the show even work at the restaurant, sir, anymore. I will say I watched last season again and I felt a lot of empathy towards Raquel or Rachel or whatever she's going by now. I think Tom lied to her and I think he did tell her that him and Ariana were open or that they really weren't in a relationship or they were about to break up or or something. Excuse me. It must be the champagne. Hold on, let me get a little refill. Let's see if I can get the mic to pick this up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bubbles, baby. Bubbles. Now, Raquel made the choice to pursue her friend's life partner, and she has to be accountable for that. But she was also young, in her 20s, and she made a choice that had some serious consequences. But I don't think this friend group is for her. Raquel just needs to move on. Ariana just needs to move on. The entire cast needs to move the fuck on. But it's probably pretty hard to move on when you're still living in the same house. I did see that Ariana filed a lawsuit requesting that the court grant a partition of real property by sale. In Louisiana, we call that a partition by licitation. I love saying the word licitation. Licitation. Much more fun than saying partition of real property by sale. Boring. We need some flair. Speaking of flair, have y'all seen Traders on Peacock? 
It's like a mob mentality game and the players are all reality TV stars. The show is good and it's wild to see people convince themselves that they are right when they are so wrong. They should have a season of just lawyers and see how wild that gets. I also would like to propose a season where all of the contestants are drag queens. Well, the host for the show is Alan Cummings. Fucking icon. Fun fact, he was the MC in Cabaret on Broadway and won the Tony for Best Actor in 1998. I'm sorry to my neighbors if they can hear me singing maybe this time a la Liza Minnelli. Maybe this time I'll win. Okay, back to traders. Alan Cummings displays some of the best men's looks I have ever seen in my life from head to toe. I mean, 10 out of fucking 10, Alan. They're all staying in the Scottish castle, and it's all foggy and dramatic, and somehow there are wolves. Alan Cummings is reason enough to watch Traders, but the show is actually really good. This honestly would be a good show option for Monica from Salt Lake City once she gets some of her healing done. I wonder how that lawsuit between her and Heather Gay is shaking out. Speaking of lawsuits, Caroline Manzo has officially filed a lawsuit against Bravo alleging that while on Real Housewives of Ultimate Girls Trip Morocco, she was sexually assaulted by Brandy Glanville and claims that Bravo encouraged the sexual harassment. Okay, we knew this was coming. Brandy Glanville is denying the allegations of sexual abuse, but she's not named as a defendant in the lawsuit. She's been going around saying, like, all I did was give a lap dance. Um, even a lap dance has to be consensual, bitch. I feel bad for Caroline because I don't think she is someone who is quick to litigation. The petition states that she was sexually assaulted when she was seven years old and the incident caused her to relive that trauma. I wonder how this will go. I mean, obviously Bravo should settle. It will be really apparent to the Bravo attorneys very early on regarding whether Bravo should settle or not. The entire incident was captured on film for the show, so all the attorneys are going to be able to view the raw footage and see what the fuck went down and whether Bravo has some exposure. I don't need to see the footage to draw the conclusion that Bravo has some exposure and should settle. Caroline is basically claiming that Bravo continued to film and didn't intervene when this alleged sexual assault was taking place, effectively encouraging the sexual assault. And I'm pretty sure Girls Trip Morocco will never air on TV. And given the nature of the allegations and Caroline's past sexual assault, it probably shouldn't. Or they shouldn't air the incident or edit it out or something like that. It will settle though. Almost all cases do. And only a small percentage even goes to trial. Law ain't what it used to be. I gotta get something off my chest, y'all. I fucked up. I made a huge tactical error. I made the mistake of watching You Are What You Eat on Netflix. It's this twin study where one twin eats an omnivore diet of meat and veggies and the other twin eats a plant-based diet. I'm sure you can imagine the results showed that the plant-based diet was all around better. But in between the study, there were all these like scared straight segments regarding the meat and dairy industry that I cannot get out of my head. So I've had a black bean burger for lunch today and I've basically only been eating hummus 
because every time I think about eating meat and cheese, I cannot stop thinking about that documentary. So if you're looking for something to scare you into eating better and being healthier, watch that fucking documentary. Otherwise, I would steer clear of it. Because I have now since bought a plant-based cookbook called How Not to Die. None of this is probably interesting to any of y'all, but it is what is going on in my life right now. I wanted to try and go plant-based for a few months in 2020, but my partner and child were not very interested. And I'm sure you all know that it's pretty difficult for one person in a household to eat completely different than everyone else. But now, this household is... Mine. All mine. And I'm going to try and cook some plant-based shit. Please pray for me. I also made another mistake, and I signed up for Tender. I'm not sure what my motivation was for signing up for Tender. I'll be filing my final divorce paperwork soon, and I felt like I was open to potentially dating, but I don't really know what that means in 2024. Because once I got on Tinder and I saw the pool of gentlemen that I am working with, I was not inspired with a lot of confidence. As superficial as it sounds, it is kind of fun to judge people in this manner and swipe left no, and swipe left for no, and swipe right for yes. Wait, is that right? I think so. At first, it was kind of fun like a game. And I matched with a lot of people. And I came across some scary profiles, let me tell you. This one gentleman's profile says that he is looking for a long-term partner and that he makes 200k a year and he is interested in a relationship where the woman is the boss. His profile says, you can be with other men while I'm 100% faithful and spoil you. I like being under a woman's control. I'm real and can FaceTime. And this was the kicker. Serious inquiries only, please. (laughs) I need to take a sip of champagne. Okay. Would y'all judge me if I swiped right? I did not swipe right, but I thought about it. That doesn't sound like a bad gig, right? Why did he have to say how much he makes? That's kind of weird. But him mentioning FaceTime got me thinking. I'm not going to meet up with anyone without first figuring out that there is kind of a connection or that we have some stuff in common. Because I'm not wasting an outfit or makeup or energy to get dressed for some scrub. So I'm guessing I'm going to have to speak to people via text message or FaceTime or something like that. But that's new for me. And quite frankly, I don't think I'm ready for it. This modern dating is fucking weird and I don't like it. So I did match with a good amount of men on Tinder. And several of them messaged me. Uh, Let me just say this. Let's be real. If I match with someone, I am not messaging them first. And that is a fucking fact. I'm just not doing it. I don't care that much about being with somebody. As Whoopi Goldberg said, I don't want someone in my house. So I did get some messages and some of them were frightening enough that I think I'm going to get off Tinder for a little while. One guy said, hi there. What's your favorite sex position? Upside down smiley emoji. Um, I'm sorry, sir. Nice to meet you too. Are you one of the alpha males that Cat Williams was talking about? Is this normal? And he spelled sex like S-E-G-G-S, not S-E-X, so like segs. It took me a minute to figure it out that he, what he was asking me for, segs? I don't feel courted, I feel concerned. Another fine gentleman said straight from the jump, no hello or anything, um, earmuffs mom. 
I want to lick and smell your feet after you've been on them all day. What in the actual fuck? What fresh hell is this? This ain't it, y'all. This ain't it. I don't even know what to do with this. It appears that I've been out the game for a minute and there's things out there that I don't know shit about. Is Alan Cummings looking for a life partner because when I was watching Traders, I was picturing myself next to him in an equally fabulous outfit, hosting Traders and living the Scottish life in a Scottish castle with the wolves. Is that too much to ask? So I'm gonna get off Tinder, okay? Maybe I should try Raya, but don't you have to have someone refer you who's already on Raya? I don't think I know anybody who's on Raya. If I know anybody out there who is on Raya and who would like to do your girl a solid and be my referral, please text me at 504-224-9919. Thanks. Because Tinder ain't it. I also realize that dating for me is going to be a tad problematic. So if anyone looks at my social media, it's a shit ton of promo videos for this podcast. And if someone goes and listens to this podcast, there's some pretty candid information and some deep personal information that usually wouldn't be shared so quickly in a relationship, but here we are. So I really could be screwing myself over, but you know, fuck it. There's really an unfair advantage though, like someone could dive deep into my life and get to know me via the podcast, but I don't have the same advantage unless I date another podcaster and ha ha ha, I don't know any other podcaster, so fuck. There's something else that I would like to discuss, but it's a tad controversial and I'm not sure how it will be received, especially with my southern folks. I don't like football. There, I said it. Professional football games are some of the most dramatic events I've ever attended in my life. The roller coaster of emotions that you experience when you're a professional or college football fan is unlike anything else. It's stressful as fuck. And it appears that the emotions and moods of many men are directly linked to whether their team wins or loses. Ugh. I've seen people break their TVs because their team loses a game. This was the first football season since I became an adult where I did not watch one fucking football game. And I loved every minute of it. I don't care anymore to keep up with football. I just don't give a fuck. I used to give lots of fucks about football. I had season tickets to the Saints in New Orleans. That's how fucking committed I was. But this is more fun. This feels better to me. Bitch, shut up. Okay, that's my alarm to journal and write down my wins for the day. At the same time, I truly believe that football provides people with a lot of joy and that's absolutely wonderful. I think it provides people with community and camaraderie and I just love that. And some people only have football games to look forward to and I understand that. I'm not saying we should get rid of football. And I'm also not saying I would never go to another football game because it is fun. But the commitment of doing it on a weekly basis was not sustainable for me. Speaking of football, the Taylor Bowl will be taking place in a few weeks. Taylor Swift has made it to the fucking Super Bowl, y'all. And I don't need to watch the game to know that Taylor wins. I am so happy for her. Can y'all imagine how amazing she is feeling right now? I mean, she is literally at the top of her career. She was named Time's Person of the Year. 
And now her boyfriend and likely soon to be fiance is at the fucking Super Bowl. I mean, are they both like peaking at their careers at the same time or what? I love this for them. So I had my first sewing workshop the other day and I fucking loved it. I haven't been this excited about something in a really long time. And I even signed up for an eight-week sewing class that starts in two weeks. I thrive in a school setting. I really am like a star student. Oh my God, I got a certificate after my workshop. I fucking loved it. I think in addition to certificates, the sticker reward system is so smart. Even as an adult, I love stickers. I also really, really love school supplies. I have a supplies and materials list for my sewing class and I cannot wait to go shopping. So I told y'all that I got COVID and so did Madison. We were both legitimately sick and felt like crap, but, but Madison, for some reason, was concerned about missing class. Like concerned to the point that it was making her upset. Obviously, she should be concerned about her classes, but when she's sick, she's sick. She needs to rest, especially with COVID. And it really dawned on me that... I have taught my daughter to work hard, but I've never taught her how to rest and never really emphasized that resting or taking a break or taking a break is an important part of life. Which brings me to my rich bitch tip of the week. Whether it's just you, or you and a partner, or you and your kids, make Real quality time for you to rest and recharge. It's important. Today, now more than ever. The societal and work demands today are out of fucking control. So please make sure that you take a break. Take a break. That's from Hamilton. Make sure you teach your kids the importance of resting and taking a break. I think I've mentioned this before, but I used to listen to Jeff Lewis Live every day. Or every time that it was on for like five years. And I stopped listening in August after there was a big dramatic fight within the ranks of Jeff Lewis Live hosts. And it got a little out of hand. It got a little dark. It went pretty negative. And I could not listen to it anymore. I was actually very let down as a listener. The thing that really did it for me that I felt was a major line crosser is Jeff started revealing how much people were being paid. And I think that it's just so unprofessional and so tacky, and it just crosses a line in my mind. I'm not sure what has gone on on the show since then, but I read on social media that Denise Richards had gone on Jeff Lewis Live, and the two were discussing the insanely erratic behavior that she was exhibiting at the THC weed dinner that Kyle had at her house. And apparently, Denise was claiming that she was dosed with THC without her consent, and that is what explained her erratic behavior at the weed dinner. Um, do you know that we have eyes? Do you know that we can see you? Like what? And we clearly saw you arrive fucked up to that dinner. I got real fired up about this post. Mainly because I saw the chef, and I'm assuming he's the owner of the catering company, post on social media after he was made aware that these allegations were being discussed on Jeff Lewis Live. It's incredibly damaging to a catering business who allows for optional THC infusion to the food to be accused of involuntary dosing someone without their consent. That is a crime. It is a crime to do that to somebody else. 
This deflection by Denise is a very, very thinly veiled attempt to deflect from exactly how strange her behavior was the night at Kyle's weed dinner. I'm around people who have consumed THC all the time, and I have never, ever seen anyone act like Denise Richards did. I would even go so far as to say there's a potential defamation suit by the chef. I would be shocked if the chef didn't send a cease and desist to Jeff and Denise. If you saw the episode of Housewives, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you didn't see the episode, I suggest you go watch it. There's a part one and a part two. It's episode six and episode seven of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Denise Richards arrives last to the dinner and she appears to be intoxicated from the moment she steps out of the car. First off, she seems a little over affectionate with the driver. That's a tell sign of a drunk white lady. We're real affectionate. I mean, have y'all ever been in a women's bathroom at a bar? It's like a fucking love fest. So when Denise gets to the dinner, she tells the ladies that she's not partaking in the THC-infused dinner and that she's only smoked weed twice in her life. Then she turns to the camera and says, but I won't tell you who that was with. And then she does like a, a drunken wink. At one point, Garcelle goes, oh, where's Kyle? And Denise slurs, did she have too many of the hors d'oeuvres? And she says this in such a funny and odd manner that the ladies start laughing, but Denise continues. She's like, well, you know what I'm talking about. And then attempts more winks, one on the left side and one on the right. And then she purses her lips out at the same time. She's like, uh, she seemed fucked up. And all of this happened before the THC dinner. So what's your excuse? And it really kept getting worse from there. No one could understand what she was saying. She kept trying to make a point that wasn't landing. And everyone kept asking her to explain what she meant. And she kept on saying, you know what I'm talking about. She was specifically talking to Erica. And Erica's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Can you please tell me what I did to upset you? Denise is like, you know what I'm talking about. Denise did not give a straight answer at all. She did not even give an answer at all. So to move things along, Erica just went ahead and apologized. Denise then goes, thank you. And then, in a weird turn of events, she responds to herself and says, you're welcome. Honey, honey, no. Her behavior was noticeably different from every other person there. So I canceled my SiriusXM subscription back in August when I stopped listening to Jeff Lewis Live. Honestly, that show was the only reason that I was even subscribing to Sirius. So after the entire incident went down in August and Jeff wouldn't stop talking about it, I had to cancel. But I did get a free trial subscription to SiriusXM over the holidays that expires in the next week. So... I decided to break the no Jeff Lewis streak and listen to the episode with Denise Richards. It was wonderful hearing Jeff Lewis again. He's so funny. And I think the reason I really like him is that he's very playful. He's very playful in his personal life and his work life. And he just seems to make everything fun. But sometimes he does go too far. But he usually is or he can be accountable for his actions, especially when it hurts somebody else. I gotta say, 
the Jeff Lewis live episode was pretty damn good. And I missed it. They didn't talk about the THC dinner the entire time, but they did discuss it. Now, the statements that they made regarding whether Denise was dosed involuntarily were less, were less matter-of-fact than the social media posts had indicated. But Jeff did say to Denise verbatim, I think you ingested the weed. Well, the only way she could have ingested the weed was if the catering company put it in the food. But Denise ordered zero THC in her food, or cero in Espanol. Are you telling me she's eating some of the THC in the car on the way? Because the minute she stepped out of that vehicle, she seemed fucked up. And you know what? THC doesn't make you act like that. I have never seen anyone who has only consumed THC to slur their words like that. And to be unable to put a thought together. So much so that everyone at the dinner noticed how fucked up Denise was. See, this is how they got around defamation. Denise was like... I don't know, guys. I don't know. I mean, who fucking cares? I mean, it could have been, but I, I just don't know, guys. Very noncommittal, but suggesting it nonetheless. Don't you think that if you had been dosed against your will, so much so that you were acting that erratic, don't you think that you would be like, wow, I feel funny. I've never felt like this before. Something's wrong. But you didn't say that, did you? Because it wasn't the weed. Weed has a big enough stigma as it is. We don't need y'all adding some bullshit allegations to deflect from Denise Richards making a fucking ass of herself. She even went so far as to say, I don't know you guys, it might have been in the bottled water. So you're saying someone intentionally dosed you, Denise Richards, by putting some form of tasteless, scentless, undetectable THC in your water bottle. Oh, just your water bottle. No one else's? Sure, Jan. The chef, when he was serving the food, even made a comment when he went back to the kitchen saying, Oh man, Denise Richards is so fucked up. And no one else was. Even the people who said they wanted to partake in the THC dinner were not fucked up. I don't think Jeff Lewis intended on hurting the chef's business or reputation because Jeff is a business owner himself. But you know... Jeff is Jeff. I thought about renewing my Sirius XM subscription, but it's probably best that I don't. Okay. I've saved the political rant for last. <laughs> for those of you who have no interest in listening to a political rant, thank you for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode. To those of you who have opted to stay, y'all some real ones. Okay, I'm going to need to refill my champagne for this. My mom literally just texted me and was like, um, when is the podcast coming out? It's coming, all right? So this rant that I'm about to deliver involves the state where I grew up. Good old Mississippi. And another issue that never goes away, abortion. Here's what's funny to me. Abortion is already banned in Mississippi, and Roe v. Wade was overturned. So why do y'all have to keep making more and more abortion laws? So now there is a proposal to make it a crime to drive a minor out of state to have an abortion. There is also a law banning mail-order abortion medicine. I've said this before and I'll say it again. Banning things does not work. It only drives people into the dark and out of safety. 
Not allowing women, especially young girls, the access to this health care is only going to make them take more extreme, unsafe measures. You're going to have girls throwing themselves downstairs, or you're going to have their friends punching them in the stomach, or doing something to end their pregnancies. It was a thing 18 years ago when abortion was legal, and I'm sure it hasn't gotten any better with the abortion bans. And as far as the law banning mail-order abortion medicine, who the fuck is going to regulate that shit? The mail? People are already sending illegal shit in the mail. What are you going to do, like make the mailman shake the package? Ooh, sounds like abortion pills. No. But these aren't even the worst laws that Mississippi is proposing to enact. The worst law, and I'm shocked that this is even being put forth through our fucking government, if passed... The proposed law would not allow changes to Mississippi abortions law by statewide election. So, even though these elected officials are supposed to represent the people of Mississippi, they are now proposing a law making it illegal for the people of Mississippi to hold a statewide election to change abortion laws. So, there's this thing called the First Amendment. It's a real big deal in the Constitution. It's literally first. The First Amendment deals with the freedom of religion or non-religion, free expression, free speech, freedom of the press, the right to peacefully assemble, and the right that is being infringed on by this fucking proposed law is the right to petition the government for redress of grievances. The First Amendment protects the right to petition the government for a redress of grievances. It sounds like your abortion law, Mississippi, unambiguously seeks to deny the people of Mississippi their right to petition the government for a redress of their grievances. I got some fucking grievances. I'm not saying the people of Mississippi are going to win if they try to change the abortion laws, but they're allowed to have a fair shot. It's like, it's like you haven't read the First Amendment at all. And you probably haven't, Mississippi lawmakers. You're either stupid or you don't care. Which is it? Or is it both? This is embarrassing. This so blatantly violates the First Amendment I think there should be a rule that all lawmakers in Mississippi or in any state are prohibited from running for office ever again if they sign a bill that gets overturned as unconstitutional. You clearly don't get what we're about here in America. It's about freedom. It's about democracy. You know, what's the ETA on those term limits? It's so funny because every single election year we talk at length about term limits. But where are they? I don't see them. Where are they? I don't see them. But you want to know what I think? I think the Mississippi lawmakers are scared because even though there is this major change in abortion rights, the time keeps on ticking and more and more people move to the side of supporting a woman's right to not have a child if she does not want to. I don't want my frustration and passion to be misinterpreted to mean that I am bashing those on the other side of the argument. I'm not. Remember who the real enemy is, Katniss. 
It's the lawmakers. These lawmakers are trying to prevent changes to abortion laws in Mississippi forever, for infinity. For, forget about what future generations might learn or discovered or want for their own lives. Want to know what that sounds like? Tyranny. Not to be dramatic, but damn. But again, I think the lawmakers in Mississippi are scared because if they're honest with themselves, they know that the majority of the people in the state of Mississippi actually do support a woman's right to choose. Something like 83% that I read today. That's a lot. So if the people of Mississippi ever decide to fuck around and organize to propose a constitutional amendment acknowledging and protecting a woman's right to choose, these lawmakers will find out they are the minority on this issue. The worst part about this is that it's all a waste of resources. The legislation would fail a strict scrutiny test in a fucking minute. Fucking with a fundamental right. This is a fundamental right under the Constitution, you assholes. I think what prompted this proposed bill is the people of Florida getting their shit together. Shockingly. You don't hear that too often, do you? The people of Florida got together and got enough signatures, something like a million signatures, to enact an amendment on the Florida Constitution protecting a woman's right to choose. Fuck around and find out, bitch. That's all we have for you on episode 22. I hope I didn't scare y'all. Follow me at Lindsay underscore Sobel and also follow at The Rich Room Podcast. Toodaloo!